Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. From the chandelier. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Let's have an unstoppable week, guys. A whole week? A whole week. Whole week. Well, you had an unstoppable weekend. <laughs> I did. Now, I? <laughs> don't don't divulge too much yet. I will not. Because uh, coming up at 6:20, I want to play you some audio. Uh, and, and Jim Zoki doesn't know what we're talking about yet. Nope. Uh, I want to play you some that audio. A lot here. Of what happened uh, during Beth's weekend. You had a girls' weekend. I had a girls' weekend this weekend with my two besties. We've been uh, friends since sixth grade. Did you Wait talk in the car the whole time? We oh, <laughs> we, we talked. Wait, the let me whole time. let me rephrase <laughs> that. Let me rephrase that. You had a cute little girls' weekend. I had a cute little oh, girls' weekend, that's guys. Adorable. We went to a cabin. That's adorable. Did you make paper dolls? We did not. <laughs> but there's a moment that happened very shortly after you all arrived, right? Well, dinner time, yes. We, yes. Had, we had been there for a bit. Okay, but... let me rephrase that. Shortly before you ate dinner. for the night. Right, right, I'm right. I'm going to play the audio of it because she sent me the video of it, and it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. She sent you video from a girl's weekend. Yeah, well, she said, and, 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 and the preface was, look, I make so much fun of your guys' weekends that when something happens on my girls' weekend that is uh, of note. only fair. It's only fair. So uh, coming up at 620, I'm going to play you the audio of that because I will say it hasn't happened on a guys' weekend before. <laughs> But it has happened at my house before. Oh, it has? Many, many times. Oh. Well. The reaction uh, was not the same. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and and, and I I was uh, talking earlier off the air, and I I tweeted about this this weekend, and I saw some tweets from Jim Zoki. Uh, it was quite the sports weekend, oh, yeah. uh, all of which, which uh, unbeknownst to Beth. I did not turn a TV on the entire weekend. Well, every segment after 620 is all sports the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just going to sit and listen to you guys. Because we're going to have Girl Weekend talk, and then we're going to talk about boy stuff. Yeah. And we could literally. It'll be so cute, guys, when you guys talk sports. It's we cute. could fill every segment with a different sporting event that happened this weekend, I think. Because you had the Daytona 500. You had the NBA All-Star Game last night. You had a State in North Carolina yesterday. Yeah, I saw you, the results of that one. You had uh, the Genesis Invitational with Tiger Woods, and uh, there's much more than that. Now, I I thought this was interesting because I I started thinking about this, and then Jim Zoki tweets yesterday, does ESPN think (laughs) UNC versus NC State is not compelling enough that we need Joe Lenardi uh, doing bracketology talk for 10 minutes instead of them talking about the actual game, which is true. Is this a new thing? I guess it is now. We're during the game. Uh, they do a, a you know a, 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 a picture within a picture, and they bring on their bracketology expert to have an interview with uh, the the play-by-play guys while you're watching the game in another little window. But it's and like I've been talking about the game for like ten minutes, and it's a good game and it's an important game. Are, is it like on a whiteboard? He's like pointing almost. out stuff on a whiteboard. And, and again, it's like bracketology. So they call them Joey brackets, which is stupid. And it's like they're talking about who might and may not make the NCAA tournament field. We're like a month away from that. I mean, it's not even like pending. 
And yes, North Carolina is struggling, and it's a topic, but they can't do that at halftime or during the 20 other hours of Sports Center. Right. Like during the, if you tuned in to watch NC State and North Carolina, I'm not exaggerating, right, at least, oh, was yeah. it more? It, it was, was like a, 12? I don't it know. It was at least It 10 just minutes. went on forever. And the, the game was like background music to them just doing Sports Center during the game. And it's North Carolina versus NC State. It's That's a big game. That's kind of rage-inducing. I know. And I was uh, today years old when I learned that bracketology was a word. <laughs> yeah. Invented by ESPN. Yeah. Right. Well, it sounds like it. And it is. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, what, a little bit less than a month away from Selection Sunday. And so uh, there's all this talk now about North Carolina. North Carolina, according to uh, Mr. Bracketology, is... On the outside looking in, if the tournament were selected, selected today. But can I say they've lost so much at this point? It's not even like shocking news anymore. Right, they've surprising. lost 11 games. Well, <laughs> at this point, no one's going, no way. It's like <laughs> now you expect them not to make the NCAA because just, it's just not happening. But let's be honest. This is, the, this is what it comes down to. If they were a team not named North Carolina, it wouldn't be no big deal. Yeah, they'd uh, be like, oh, this basketball team's not good. There are a bunch of teams that are on the outside looking in, in addition to the Tar Heels, yeah. but it just so happens that the Tar Heels, and and yes, uh, this this makes it more of, of, of a thing that the, the preseason number one for the entire college basketball world, number one was North Carolina, and now they're not even... Well, which doubles down on the fact that media doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why a, we shouldn't a, be spending it's a media 10 poll. minutes. If they were smart enough, they would have not ranked them number one. But can I just say this? Can we give the props where the props are due to the NC State Wolfpack, yeah. who is every bit legit and is I, every I think bit legit. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are, they are very much a tournament team. They don't need like to win that. any tournament to get into the tournament, and they're going to be dangerous. And they looked good yesterday. They're so. too legit to quit. Can is we that where you put the L on the forehead? No, yes, no. It's, too legit it's too legit to quit. <laughs> I just did the dance for you. Hey, hey. Now we have to put on the parachute pants and go side to side. <laughs> Well, that was when uh, that's when he dropped the MC. Remember that? That's he right. He was just hammer. Just hammer time. Well, that didn't work very well. So very soon after that, he went back to it. Okay, here we go. Before traffic. NC State. NC State legit. <laughs> back. Too legit to quit. I'm gonna leave this up during the entire traffic report and just see what happens with Pam Warner. I'll absolutely love it. There you go. I'm, you I'm go. looking for my uh, parachute pants. <laughs> it's a traffic dance party. Come on. <laughs> Pump it up. Welcome back, Pam. Uh, so glad to be back. I missed you guys. Hope you had a we great vacation. You. Oh, is that what we call it? Vacation? Did you, did you go to an island? Did you go somewhere fun? <laughs> Maybe. I couldn't even get out of bed for four days. It was so bad. Oh, that was a good party. Cool. <laughs> Oh, Not that kind my of good. goodness. <laughs> oh, man. What's going on, Pam? So are we doing traffic over there? We really are. <laughs> I said I was going to leave. All right, let's go. I, we're so really we, doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking good across the board. I figured we had a little time to listen to the uh, track there. Uh, everything is looking great on the roadways. We are currently checking in wreck and stall free. Now, we did have that earlier one that was in South Charlotte, Providence Road at International Drive. It was a fender bender, and officials were able to get it first off to the shoulder and then completely out of the way. Now, as far as those drive times go as well, 77, 85, 45, everybody in the green moving along at their posted speeds and we're expecting a smoother ride for this Monday morning drive so uh, don't worry take it easy out there and always have an alternate Justin don't case. give up drivers WBT traffic hey, I think this should be the uh, the new uh, sounder for good yeah yeah you I just little, love the hi you got like a little delay a car in front of you don't quit <laughs> get to work come on
Happy Monday, everybody. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, Jim Zoki, John Moore in the house. And speaking of in the house, it was <laughs> in the cabin, right? Is that what it was this weekend? It was, it was yes, it was in uh, my my best friend Hillary's family's cabin in, in uh, Black Mountain. Yes, my girls' weekend. My uh, one of my. Is this no. the uh, Billy Graham estate, or what is it? <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! You got to say it right. Your cute little girls' weekend. We went on cute little girls' weekend, Watch guys. Yeah. Guys, talk about boys. That's right. We talked about everything. Well, I, I know a little more <laughs> than I uh, thought I'd know about this. I even have footage of this because Beth sent me a video yesterday, <laughs> and uh, I know what this is. John Moore knows what it is. I want to see if Zoki can uh, can figure out what's happening here. By the way, this sounds. When I turn it up. <laughs> Here, we can get him out. Come on. Come on, little guy. Come on. <laughs> it's okay. I don't want to. Seriously, get him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Did he go out? No. <laughs> I legit. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh he's so scared. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just going to guess. I'm just going to guess. I don't know because I didn't get to see it. I'm just hearing it. Craig showed up at the cabin. <laughs> and that was the sound of you getting I him out. I think we should go with that. That's it. That's what we're going to say it was. Come on, little guy. <laughs> get him out. Get him out. And then utensils. Yeah, the uti- what was the utensils? I heard organiz- organizing of utensils. <laughs> so the, clanging, the clanging of the, of the pans. <laughs> Craig was organizing the kitchen for us. <laughs> Or it was a mouse. No, it was neither of those oh, things. Oh, was it a mouse? That was my mm-hmm. legitimate guess. No, it was not a mouse. What happened? We we so we It really... wasn't a bear based on the tone. <laughs> These are my it two. It was a very domesticated bear. <laughs> These we are my two poop. best friends. We have known each other since middle school. So so we go way back. But we uh we have this whole like when we do girls' weekends, we really plan them. So we had this whole dinner planned with fillets that we were grilling out outside and like wedge salads and wine. And uh as 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 Hillary and Julie were going out to to start the grill, this bird <laughs> just oh, bird. dive bombed their heads <laughs> and then flew into the house. And Hillary, the clanking of the utensils was not Craig organizing the kitchen. Uh he was not there. She was banging the spatula and the tongs together trying to scare the bird. <laughs> but if you didn't know, you would think it was like a like a, a falcon or something that flew into <laughs> It was this little tiny like like chickadee like bird. Is anyone a falcon here? <laughs> they pulled my giant glove. <laughs> it was like a tiny little barn warbler. I don't even know what that I looks mean, like. I that, mean, that's actually that's actually probably doing too much justice, right? There. It was this little tiny bird that was like one you'd buy in a in a in a pet shop like or a, something, like a little parakeet. Yeah, it was even smaller than a parakeet. It was like the size of my thumb. It was this tiny little bird. It flew in and then it was like hanging out in the bedroom. It was hopping on Hillary's pillows. 
<laughs> See, this happens at my house. We have a screen porch, and this happens ah. all the time on our screen porch. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is very, very difficult to get the bird to quit flying into the into the side well, of the, yes. the screen. We yep. tried to get all of the doors open at one point because this was this video. I started finally videoing it like ten minutes into us trying to get this bird out because I was like, guys, we have to get this on video. But there was at one point where the <laughs> you mean somewhere there's the director's cut. <laughs> yes, there was one point where this bird just flew over. There was this like decorative giraffe in the corner, and I was like, guys, the bird's on the giraffe. <laughs> and I was thinking like, those are that's a sentence I did not think I would say this weekend. The bird is on the giraffe over by Mike Tyson's tiger. <laughs> <laughs> and see, what I'm imagining is when I go to, because uh, mine's coming up, we always go uh, to the lake for, for oh, our guys' for your trip. Boys trip. For my little boys' trip uh, for the NCAA tournament. And I'm just imagining what would happen if a, the same thing happened to us. And you you guys are like, they would hunt, kill it, eat it. You would hear, here's what you would hear oh, hell no, get that thing out of here. And somebody would go grab a baseball bat. <gasps> oh, <laughs> no. See, this is why you have to you have to coax the little guy out. Like, come on, little guy, you can do it. And uh, it was gone and never came back? It did not come back. Um, and But we did uh, consistently cover our heads as we went back out to, you know, operate the grill. <laughs> cover your heads. <laughs> because why? Because You they... might peck at us. Oh, I thought I you think... meant like they... Uh, um... You know, uh, drop, dropped, uh, dropped oh, a little presents. Well, I for was you. I was concerned that there were presents, like yeah. especially because it went into Hillary's bedroom. So I was I was concerned that there were presents on her pillows. But it was a well-behaved bird. Just not a well-behaved uh, group of women. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I every time I've watched it, I have laughed harder and harder. It just gets more absurd every time every I. Every time it. you go somewhere, something happens. Your tubing incident. <laughs> Where you just kept going back and forth in the screen. Oh. <laughs> That's right. I forgot That's right. she goes somewhere. <laughs> the great thing is, is you, is you capture the footage for us here. I guess I'm going to have to make sure that when I go to our trip coming up in a few weeks of watching basketball, then I'm going to have to make sure that anything is, is uh, film worthy that I... I'm ready with the... Uh... Please, God, please record the drive up because I just want, like, two hours of footage of nothing happening. Like, no conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you see interstate. Interstate with silence. The quiet... <laughs> Just nothing at all. Maybe some radio well, even, in the background. Even when we get inside, we just text each other. You know, it's no talking. It's I just know. Texting. I'm trying to picture you guys in because, like, the, we're in a cabin. You guys have rented a cabin. Yeah. We did not turn on a TV the entire weekend, and we the conversation did not stop for two seconds. Even like, I think we were talking through bathroom doors whenever like one of us would go to the bathroom. I think we were still involved in the convo. <laughs> well, I bet Craig had the best weekend. <laughs> He probably just had silence. He had silence. TV. Now, I don't, I don't mean that the guys talk all kinds of trash during the, the games. So we talk. But not to each other. It's but, like to the TV. But right? if, we, if, if, if a group of teens had gone and done the same thing in either place, your place or my place, that's what it would be. They would all be silenced because they all be texting each other but being in the same room. But being in the same room. Yeah. So, all right. Well, what a, what a weekend. I can't wait for your uh, boys trip videos. The encore. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go, you know, catch a bird and just let it out inside just so I can see, like, it'll be the test case of what happens on the other side. To see what the reaction's like. Well, I yeah. texted this video and said, look, it's only fair. I, I, I make endless fun of your little boys' trips, so I have to let you see what happens on the, I'll on have the to girls' trip. Text the fellas in a little while and say, oh, we're just a few weeks away from the cute little boys' weekend. Cute little guys' weekend. <laughs> Monday morning here on News Talk 1110 WBT. I was a hotel housekeeper. No, not me, but this person was. I was a hotel housekeeper, and these are five things you should avoid using as a guest. 
Uh, I think I've used all these. I think I've, I do most every time I go. I don't know how you don't use some of these. This is from Well and Good magazine, and this is freaking me out because it is not just from some germaphobe who's saying, mm, this might be questionable. This is from a former hotel housekeeper who was responsible for cleaning these spaces that we stay in. Number one, and I always use these, the coffee maker. Oh. She says, coffee makers are generally only superficially cleaned, a quick spray and wipe, as most hotels care more about appearance and speed as opposed to actual cleanliness. I will say that I sometimes take, you know, there are usually two cups sitting there. I will take one cup and fill it with water and do a, a, a quick hot water run through, and then I'll put the, uh, the coffee thing in there. I don't know if that helps. I don't know if that helps. Well, I mean, obviously, I don't use it because I don't drink coffee, but that <laughs> takes me to number two, which I do use, the ice bucket. Y'all, ice buckets. When have you, like, they are ice machines, and if you're going to, especially like Bo Thompson, drink your Diet Coke. Exactly. You may be thinking with a plastic liner that the ice bucket should be fine. Well, according to this housekeeper, just because you're using the liner, it doesn't mean that everyone is. I have personally seen ice buckets used as dog dishes, mm. um, buckets for getting mm, yeah. ill. I'm not mm -hmm. going to say the word. Mm. And that's one. That's probably one of my least favorite words in the history of man. But that one you're not going to say. The p word. Yeah, I just hate that word. Uh, and people, they're only superficially cleaned. <laughs> you can't do that with us in the room. You know that. <laughs> We're always going to be 12 years old. Mm. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a four letter word. A four, letter word. <laughs> four letters, he said. <laughs> Um, so that freaks me out. The, like, good, the good kind of four-letter word. <laughs> well, that leaves out phlegm. So. I'm, just, I'm right. digging the hole deeper yes, here. the old phlegm bucket. Where's my bucket of phlegm? <laughs> That's basically kind of... Oh, let's, let's go back to last week. It's the chum bucket. It's a chum yeah. bucket. That's, right. That's exactly right. So people use it for their chum. chum sounds like a happy word. Hey, chum. <laughs> hey, chum. Oh, pal, old chum. And then they come over like, oh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> Wait a minute, though. That was my. Uh, that would be the caveat, though. I was gonna say, well, they have plastic liners. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. Yeah, say pretty much it doesn't matter because it doesn't like they're only superficially cleaned. You've got the liner in there, but everybody hasn't used it for what you think they're going to be used for, and they don't clean them. They just kind of wipe off the fingerprints. That freaks me out, especially if somebody's been using it as like a dog dish. But number three. <laughs> Number three, how I don't know how you go to a hotel and not use this. Number three, blankets and duvets. How do you sleep in a hotel bed and not use the duvet? Are they basically saying don't lay on top of the bed, just get in the sheets? Well, we travel with our own duvet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not to be confused with bidet. <laughs> also bringing my own bidet <laughs> with my duvet <laughs> and the doily. How? How do you? I mean, the whole point of the hotel is a place to sleep. How do you not use the duvet and the blanket? And don't walk on the carpet either. That's right. Welcome filthy. to your room. Don't do anything else in the room but be in the room. <laughs> exactly. Just stand in the middle of the room with your shoes and on. Don't touch anything. <laughs> don't touch a unless, thing. Unless a bird flies in. <laughs> Well, this this uh, this this former housekeeper says that in most hotels, blankets and duvets are very rarely cleaned or changed out. Which brings us to number four, which is the most the craziest thing: towels. <laughs> towels. 
Like you're supposed to bring your own towels to the hotel room? Is that where we are now? So now we're having to bring our own blankets, our own duvets, and our own towels. The, the housekeeper says we were always told not to replace them if they looked clean mm. to prevent them from getting, from getting overwashed <gasps> so mm. that the laundry doesn't get overwhelmed. So somebody could have wiped their booger hands. <laughs> On a towel. Good morning. And left it just hanging, and it was still neatly hung, and then it didn't get I washed. I think the booger would give away that it wasn't clean. <laughs> what, <laughs> what if it was the on the back side? Smear. What if it was kind of clear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or just kind of dried their post-bathroom hands mm-hmm. on it. or That, that as well. <laughs> you know? Uh, it also says robes. The only, time, the only time I've ever worn a robe when I went to uh, we went to the Grove Park Inn one time. Mm-hmm. And I said I got to wear a robe here, mm-hmm. but that's the only time. Like oh. I'm not, <laughs> like at the, the Holiday Inn Express last night. Yeah, they got great robes. <laughs> the Red Roof Inn robe. <laughs> I don't think that they robes. <laughs> it smells of cigarettes and sadness, <laughs> despair. When there's a robe and cheap mahogany. <laughs> And paperback books. Yes. <laughs> Number five. Let's finish this out. Glassware. Creepy. So they are saying that that stuff doesn't get get wiped off either. Drinking glasses and coffee cups were simply rinsed in the hotel bathroom. <gasps> so they just take the glass, run it under hot water, and they stick and it. And dry back. it with the booger towel. And they t- <laughs> Moral to the story. Don't use anything. Welcome to your hotel room. Look, but don't touch. <laughs> you just paid $500 a night to get some very not clean items. Mm-hmm. Mm. Better luck at home. <laughs> <laughs> don't go anywhere. WBT, where business talks. Presented by Ram Pavement. Good morning. Nine in front of seven o'clock here on WBT. Let's roll back to the market close on your Friday. Stocks finishing mixed as investors worry about rate hikes. The Dow and S&P down for the week. Hotter inflation data and a hawkish Federal Reserve driving concerns that rates will stay higher for longer as the central bank continues to fight inflation. Talk turning to more 50 basis point rate hikes and markets betting at least three more rate boosts are in the offing. Energy, tech and materials sectors were down more than 1%. In New York, Jerry Willis, Fox News. All right, thank you, uh, Jerry. Markets are closed today because of President's Day. I got to tell you this. At this stage of the game, I don't care whether I'm verified or not. Me either. I don't know if I ever did, but I certainly don't now. And I got a message over the week. I didn't get this message, but a lot of people did. Uh, You listening right now may have. You must remove text message two-factor authentication. Only Twitter Blue subscribers can use the text message two-factor authentication method. It'll just take a few minutes to remove it. You can still use the authentication app and security key methods. Learn more about two-factor authentication. To avoid losing access to Twitter, remove text message two-factor authentication by March 19, 2023. I mean, could this get any more annoying This whole social media platform thing was, you know, it started out as a way to connect. Now it is just the fact that you pay for your blue check mark. And this is basically saying that only people who pay for the service deserve to have security on the site. 
But usually when you decide you don't want something like that, you just let it run out. Right. right. And this is like giving you these instructions of what you have to also do. And so what like, happens if you don't do that? You get locked out of Twitter. <laughs> and like anything that's a process, I hate processes. I hate processes. I avoid them at all costs. I don't even like opening mail because it's a process. But really, I mean, I, I, I asked that question knowing I just read to avoid losing access to Twitter. But so look, what what percentage of people are actually going to go to the uh, exactly. to the trouble to do this? So what's Elon Musk going to just cut off half of the usership? I hope he does. <laughs> I hope he does. And I hope that, that, that Twitter just goes down the toilet yeah. because it's an it's a place that's kind of filled with anger anyway. Uh, I think it's happening as we speak. That it's going down the toilet? I think this is all, I mean, how, if this is the way he's going to operate it, he's going to scare everybody off who's still with him. That's true. And then, a bit, the, the, I mean, beyond it, we're already paying all of these monthly subscription costs for our streaming, for our streaming platforms, for certain apps that we want to, you know, like the brain teaser apps where you play games and stuff. And you, you everything is charging these monthly fees. And now these social media sites like Twitter charging for verification or charging for the blue check mark and then now also saying it's going to be much much easier to hack you if you don't pay for this service and the worst part about it and actually it's not even the worst it's one of the other bad parts about it the other social media sites are jumping on board with this trend too i was about to say you would think that like mark zuckerberg would be over here going oh i see what he's doing i'm not gonna i'm not I'm gonna not make gonna... this mistake uh, according to variety new headline this morning Mark Zuckerberg is taking a page from Elon Musk. The social giant is rolling out Meta Verified, a subscription service for Instagram and Facebook users that includes a verified blue checkmark badge and other perks. Starts at $11.99 a month on the web or $14.99 on Apple's iOS. Uh, This is going to launch first in Australia and in New Zealand this week, but more countries Coming soon. I mean, they good day, made... mate. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Good day, mate. We're not going to be connected to anybody in Australia or New Zealand anymore. They made Meta made more than what was like four billion dollars or something last year, and that's not enough. So we're going to start charging users fifteen dollars a month. I pay for what? So that I can look at somebody's picture of a bird? You know, like I. Well, that's what we just exactly did. for free. We do not or, or, or know that that person <laughs> or know that that person's a verified bird watcher. A verified bird watcher to see like pictures of people's kids, like, like a little Twitter cake. bird, if you will. A mm-hmm. Twitter, the little logo <laughs> that that flew into your cabin. There's <laughs> <laughs> a little Elon Musk bird. It's blue. So let's break it down this way: seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. I want to talk to people who are who have subscribed to the Twitter blue service. Are you paying for Twitter? And will you, because you have paid for that blue check mark on Twitter, are you willing to pay eleven ninety nine to up to fourteen ninety nine a month for Facebook and verification and Instagram verification? Come on. But obviously there are enough people out there doing it because Mark Zuckerberg's looking over there saying, Wow, look at Elon Musk and the money he's making on these people that are paying for the blue check mark. The mm. verification. I, that's that's what it says to me, but I want to find out here. 704-570-1110. Do we really have listeners out there to this station that are paying to be verified right now on Twitter? And maybe if they're uh, prone to that, that they'd be, okay, I'll sign up. If you have the means, they'll sign up on Facebook and Instagram. Would you subscribe to social media 
services. Mm. You know what? My verified professional Facebook page just disappeared out of the blue, just went away. I can't find it. Don't know where it is. Like, it's just gone. That was probably Mark Zuckerberg saying, I'm going to make her pay $15 for this thing. I don't care. I'm just letting it be all out in the wherever it is in the ocean. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> out there, you know, you know, in the bad place. <laughs> it's in the upside down. Now, see, 704-570-1110. Uh, the phone lines are not lighting up. No. I don't think there are a lot of people out there that uh, it, it's either in a category of don't care, just let it let it let it go away. Or they uh, they said, oh, no way, I'm not doing this and I won't pay. Mm-mm. But I, I just want to know, are you really out there? Are there really Twitter blue users out there listening to me right now that say, yes, I understand the value of this? Or they're actually on a holiday like you're supposed to be on President's Day. That's true. Could be they're not in their car working today. Oh, well, in that case, happy President's Day. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. February 20th, President's Day, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, the Zoke, John Moore, and Bernie. Bernie bringing in Bo Berry biscuits. Bernie! Today. Oh, Bernie! Yeah. That's what wow. happens when NC State beats North Carolina, right? Oh. Isn't that right? Go Wolfpack. Oh. They're looking good. The Tar Heels not looking nearly as good. In fact, uh, the Tar Heels, according to Joe Lenardi, would, would not make the tournament if the selection happened today. But there's a lot to go. Several more regular season games, the uh, ACC tournament, and, of course, uh, the big dance is coming up. Uh, Mac McClung, we have to talk about him, don't we? Was that I, was that wait. the biggest? Were you watching that on your girls' trip, the NBA slam dunk contest? Mm. No. I saw a picture of this guy, though. This guy, who won the dunk contest on Saturday night, uh, had just signed a two-way deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. Before that, he was in the NBA D-League. He was, I didn't even know there was an NBA D-League, and I'm excited well, to know this. The G-League, actually. It's it's the D-League, but now they've rebranded it the G-League because they're sponsored by Gatorade. So, oh, so oh, that's cute. The Hornets are Greensboro. Yes. Have you ever heard of the Greensboro Swarm? I have not. By chance? Okay. I didn't even you know they. W- I didn't know that there were places you could go to play basketball that that wasn't the NBA. Yeah, sort of like their minor league, sort of like when they draft guys or have young guys that they want, See, or they have a guy on an injury they want to rehab. Look at what I learned today. I knew that the baseball had this, um, but yay! Well, when I Show say, basketball. did you say the baseball? Had <laughs> the baseball. <laughs> I knew that the baseball people had this. So a two-way deal means that they can shift him back and forth between the G League team and the NBA team, and the Hornets do this from time to time. They send players down or, 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 or to Greensboro to. You know, like 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 to in play. baseball, when you'd send your your team, like if a team from the White Sox, oh Chicago White Sox, sends a guy down to the uh, the the Charlotte Knights, works the same way here. But this guy, uh, no one, no one saw this coming. Uh, on on Saturday night, he ends up winning the dunk contest, Mac McClung, and I hear people talking about he saved the dunk contest. I think Shaq said that, and Magic Johnson said that. Maybe he did. Uh, is this is is this a big? Uh, do you do you compare this to like to like a, a Spud Webb uh, winning against Dominique all those years ago? Remember that? I guess it would be if I had watched it. <laughs> Wait, I was. Oh, oh you talking about Mac? I didn't watch the dunk contest. Okay, so um, I did not watch it. But I saw 
of course, you can't on social media, since we're talking about social media, you can't not see it. So I saw it uh, based on all my follows many times. And on SportsCenter now, I think about it yesterday morning, watching it back. But I didn't watch it live as far as the dunk contest. Dunk contest is one of those things where like, I just want to see the highlights because it is all the misses and the buildup and all that. So I saw the best part, which were his three dunks, and uh, it was great. May I ask a question? Uh, Bueller, yes. For, for anybody who's listening that maybe is uh, sitting here like I am going – I didn't know the dunk contest was a thing. Is it literally just a bunch of people waiting in line and trying to dunk the ball like a game of horse, but for people who are dunking? Have you, you, have you literally never seen any of these? Like I have literally. Like when Jordan used to be in this? Nope, never seen How them. How many girls' weekend trips have you had? Oh, every weekend of basketball, apparently. And Vince Carter won this. He's a Tar Heel. He was a Tar Heel. He lived in my dorm. Yeah, Vince so Carter all the more did. reason why you should have watched this. Well, no, I saw him in the dorm. I didn't no, need to watch him dunk. It is. They get, great, they get graded. <laughs> it's just uh, creativity. Like they've had guys jump over cars. But are they waiting cars. in line and just like they no, run up and they take one, turns? There's one at a time and they get like multiple dunks. And so they they're not advance. playing a game of basketball no, dunking. There no. are about five contestants and each of them get a series of dunks and they get graded on those dunks and the the highest highest score you can get is a fifty. And, and this, wh- how do you get the scores? Is it by is you like have form? judges, celebrity judges, celebrity judges, and, and it's like you get a crea- creativity and pass dunk contest. It's, it's a little bit like figure skating. You know, you have judges who give you scores, and then you add those <laughs> scores up, and whoever gets the highest score collectively wins the contest. Is there spinning and twirling? Oh, yeah. Well, back in the day, Michael Jordan used to be in this. Dominique Wilkins, Vince Carter. The, the knock on the modern-day dunk contest is none of the known stars participate in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very rare that they do. Like, LeBron's never been in it. You know, a guy like right now, like John Morant with the, uh, the Grizzlies, who you would think would be incredible, he's never been in it. Uh, Kobe was in it once, but it's not like, like Jordan was in it like four or five times and won it i think every time he was in it did he not or did dominique might have beaten him one they, time they had a picture of the 85 dunk contest and it was like jordan and drexler and all those guys from that era larry nance oh yeah it was just like yeah, larry nance was part of that one i think he won that one as a matter of fact but like dominique wilkins i mean it was like some of the best of the best players would do it back then but now and so this guy was on the g team the gatorade team and just comes in and enters the dunk contest and kills it. Yeah, just absolutely kills it. And he's like five foot four or something, yeah. right? Now, and, and he. The question now is going to be like, if you're Philadelphia, you can't send this guy back down now. You have to. It's sign like him. Uh, remember when Jeremy Lin became that star really fast up in New York and went on that run and 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 sort of became this uh, this cult figure. Uh, I know you don't, but Zoki knows what I'm talking about. Because he became a a hornet or a bobcat. Yeah. Which one was it? Hornet. Uh, hornet. hornet. <laughs> He became but, a Charlotte. But he was living off that fame of right. that run in New York that sort of carried him for several. Like, this kid, is, they're not going to send him back down now. Well, and they now, can't. And now he's going to be, he's basically bought himself, uh, An I don't NBA know how ticket. long. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long it'll, it'll last. Eventually, if he doesn't play well at a regular level, he'll go, he'll, he'll go back to what he was doing. But uh, it's really quite a story on Saturday night because nobody... Nobody was talking about the dunk contest, and now he's put it back on the map. I have so. never talked about the dunk <laughs> contest. <laughs> Clearly. Did you know there's a three-point shooting contest? I did not. Where they have a rack of balls, and they move around the court, and they shoot all the different ones? See, that seems like and a game of course, The last one's the money too. ball, and it's worth more. <gasps> Do they get money? Nobody get more points. Oh. Coming up in our next segment, Beth's going to break down the uh, the Rising Stars game on Friday night. <laughs> I didn't watch that I, one either. I don't know what I've been watching. I did not know any of these things existed. Because you've been chasing birds. Yeah, in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. I think we and need to explain that again to people. <laughs> as I am prone to say on this show, if you don't know what we're talking about, there's always the podcast. Yes. Good morning, BT.
News Talk 1110-993-WBT on this President's Day. It's Monday, February 20th, and uh, on this President's Day, the, and the nation is watching and listening to uh, word out of Plains, Georgia, because uh, one of our U.S. presidents uh, looks to be in his final hours. Uh, it was announced yesterday that former President Jimmy Carter is in hospice care now. And he's 98 years old. And uh, Jonathan Sari has a report from Plains, Georgia, on the latest from the family. The Carter Center says the former president is moving to home hospice care with the full support of his medical staff and his family. The family asking the public for privacy, but also thanking the public for the outpouring of support and concern. Carter's grandson, Jason, a former Georgia state senator, tweeted Saturday, I saw both of my grandparents yesterday. They are at peace, and as always, their home is full of love. President Biden tweeted to Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, we admire you for the strength and humility you have shown in difficult times. May you continue your journey with grace and dignity and God grant you peace. Back in 2015, Mr. Carter underwent treatment for melanoma that had spread to his liver and brain. A devout Christian, Carter continued to teach Sunday school and explained to congregants and visitors at the time that he was perfectly at ease with whatever was to come. But he responded well to treatment he was receiving back then and was able to actually resume his active schedule that included international travel to work on Habitat for Humanity building projects. He also continued to work through his Atlanta-based international nonprofit, the Carter Center, to provide election monitoring services around the world and promote global health initiatives. One of the center's proudest accomplishments is helping to reduce the number of guinea worms infections in developing countries. In the mid-1980s, about three and a half million people were being infected with the guinea worm parasite. By 2021, that number had been reduced to just 14 for that entire year. And so the uh, word from the Carter Center over the weekend, uh, late Saturday, quote, after a series of short hospital stays, former U.S. President Jimmy Carter decided to spend his remaining time at home with his family and receive hospice care instead of additional medical attention. And I, I have to thinking about, you know, these moments, he, he's such a, a remarkable figure. I mean, at 98 years old, I think the the most recent generation thinks about all of the work that he did with Habitat for Humanity, even um, famously just a few years ago after a terrible fall, you know, his face was bruised and beaten from the, the fall that he had. He was still out with Habitat for Humanity building homes. He received the 2002 Nobel Peace Prize, has been known for his um, diplomatic efforts for his work in diplomacy. But in this moment, as I'm thinking about hospice care, I, you know, I, I I think the amazing, amazing people who work in hospice don't get enough credit. What a remarkable thing that they do. My mother was in hospice care, but she was also like Jimmy Carter, wanted to be at home. And the fact that they provide that kind of comfort and service and and um, provide so much help and uh, peace for the family, but also for the person as they transition into the next phase of the afterlife. You know, it, they're just such a remarkable group of people. So Jimmy Carter uh, in hospice care there in Plains, Georgia. We'll keep uh, you posted on uh, any information we get as it relates to uh, his health. Now, uh, unfortunately, there are some passings to talk about over this weekend. Of course, uh, a lot of you remember this final scene from Law & Order. John, Captain. Well, I guess technically you're not my captain anymore. I didn't know you were coming in. 
Well, I wanted to wait till it was quiet. I didn't want to make a fuss. Really? It's going to be strange. Whole new view. At least the DA's office has a fresh coat of paint on the walls. You had one hell of a run, Sergeant Munch. Did I? I don't know where it all went. Richard Belzer passed away over the weekend. I did not mean to uh, indicate that law and order uh, was over, because it's not. I don't think it will ever be over. It just, you know, starts and stops and starts and stops. But that was the end of his run uh, on the long-running series. Richard Belzer uh, passed away, and this is more here from Fox. John. Oops. Captain. That's the wrong one there, John Moore. My, my mistake. Uh, let's come back around. We'll talk about Belzer in a second here. Let's go on to uh, the other uh, uh, notable passing this weekend, and it happened. Uh, somebody very well known here in North Carolina. Jim Broyhill continued his father's furniture legacy, bringing jobs and recognition to the North Carolina foothills through the Broyhill Furniture Business. Broyhill used his familiarity to make a run for Congress, first elected to the House in 1962, going on to become a known conservative name and helping to establish a GOP footing in North Carolina following the election of President Reagan. After serving more than 23 years in the House, Broyhill was appointed to a U.S. Senate vacancy by North Carolina's governor in 1986. However, he would fail in his bid to earn a full term in the Senate later that year. Jim Broyhill passed away Saturday from congestive heart failure. He was 95. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. He filled the vacancy by the death uh, after the death of John East, mm -hmm. the senator in North Carolina, and then went on to face Terry Sanford in 1988, but lost to Sanford. So a uh, very short run there for U.S. Senator Jim Broyhill, uh, but he passed away over the weekend. You know, tributes started coming in for... Um for Belser from uh, from Law and Order over the weekend after he passed away. One of the ones that hit me, um, Ice T, who uh, you know a mm -hmm. lot of people remember as the rapper, but of course has been on Law and Order uh, Special Victims Unit and worked with uh, with Belser. He, he tweeted, and I thought this was a really interesting tweet because I, I think it speaks to the way that life often works. Highs. This is his tweet. Highs and lows. After one of the most amazing weeks of my life, I wake up to the news that I lost my friend today. Bells is gone. But remember this. When you are having real fun and are truly happy, enjoy it to the fullest because pain is inevitably coming. I'll miss you, homie. Yeah, I thought about uh, Ice-T and SVU and the two of them, partners there. Right. And, and this is a, a little bit more insight to uh, Belzer's life uh, in full. Belzer died in France while suffering from several health issues. His career, mainly on the stand-up circuit and on TV, spanned more than four decades. Most knew him as Detective John Munch in the Law & Order franchise, but he originated the role in another hit series, Homicide, Life on the Streets and reprised it in other acclaimed shows, such as Arrested Development and The Wire. Belzer experienced tragedy in his life, losing both his father and brother to suicides. He survived a bout with cancer in 1983. Among the first to share news of Belzer's death, Saturday Night Live alum Lorraine Newman, who via Twitter called him one of the funniest people ever. Richard Belzer was 78. Gernal Scott, Fox News. I didn't realize that he reprised the same role on all those different series. Munch was the character yeah. that he played on yeah. all those different shows. Yeah. I haven't watched all of those shows, but I, I've certainly seen uh, uh, Homicide before. And uh, that's, 
Wow, you talk about a guy that uh, permeated a lot of uh, a lot of living rooms during his career. Right. Well, I was when Law and Order: Criminal Intent with Vincent D'Onofrio first came out. I was obsessed with that version of Law and Order for a while in the early 2000s. The one thing I didn't realize until I started seeing the tributes come in is that Richard Belser was a comedian uh, because his character was so edgy and hard on the on the on the Law and Order series. I had no idea he was this really funny guy. And there's also a clip going around social media of, uh, I don't know if it was Letterman or, or one show that he was appearing on back in the 80s, and Hulk Hogan was on the show. And Hulk Hogan demonstrated a headlock on Belzer, the comedian, uh, to prove that wrestling wasn't fake. Oh. And actually, he passed out and, and, and had uh, complications after it was over, and Belzer sued him and, and for damages and won. What? Look it up. It's, what? Uh, it, it's going around this morning. It's pretty uh, pretty fascinating. That's crazy trivia right there. I know. That's trivial pursuit kind of stuff. Back to Jim Broyhill for a second here. Uh, Jim Broyhill, like I said, uh, ran for U.S. Senate. He was appointed, and then he ran. This is a clip of uh, him talking in 86 about launching that campaign. I'm a candidate at the urging of the traditional Republican leaders in our state who wanted someone at the top of the ticket who will have vote-getting ability and will be able to draw votes for the Republicans on the local t uh, ticket as well. Congressman Jim Broyhill is part of what many consider the more moderate wing of the Republican Party, the same wing that supported Governor Jim Martin in 1984. Still, this is a party that isn't used to primaries in North Carolina, and many are calling this a race for the heart and soul of the Republican Party. My record is one of stability and reliability. That from 1986, Pat McCrory uh, tweeting this. That's how I actually found out about this. Uh, Governor McCrory tweeted this weekend, Our friend Phil Kirk just sent out an email informing us that former Senator Jim Broyhill passed away. Our state has lost a genuine statesman. Many of us have also lost a mentor and a friend. Prayers to his wonderful family. Aww. And I'm sure uh, the governor will have uh, some thoughts further about Broyhill coming up on Wednesday when he joins us. But rest in peace, Richard Belzer, and uh, like we said, Jim Broyhill, and uh, hope that uh, former President Carter can, uh, well, be comfortable in his final hours, as they would say. For butterfly kisses, after bedtime prayer, sticking little white flowers all up in her hair. Walk beside the Remember when this song came out? Yes. It chokes me up to this day every time I hear this song. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. This was the summer of 1997, and every once in a while you get a song that comes along, and this was like, I remember it very well because the, uh, the songs that were also on the chart were like the Spice Girls and Hanson, <laughs> and all of a sudden there's Bob Carlyle. And Butterfly Kisses. Butterfly Kisses. But uh, there's a story here that made me think of this because there's a there's a woman who's garnered some attention on uh, social media and online because of a stance that she has taken regarding something that uh, a lot of people listening have probably partaken in or not or know someone who has. I know I did because I have a daughter and I went to, I guess, however many daddy daughter dances that we had at her elementary school, which I think would be, what, six, seven uh, but there's one woman who uh, has a daughter, has a husband, uh -huh. but is not sure that she's going to let her daughter and her husband partake. In, and it's a, a joint decision, apparently, uh, in this tradition that is prevalent at so many schools across the country. Yeah, and I wanted to get thoughts on this. She is getting a lot of attention online for a, 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 
an advice article that she wrote asking the question about daddy-daughter dances. This was in Slate. It's titled, Our New City's Father-Daughter Dance Tradition Gives Me the Creeps. I'll, I'll read a little bit of this for you. She says, My husband, daughter, and I live in a city that is apparently big on father-daughter dances at school. Neither one of us are from places that had these dances. I personally don't love the concept, partially because of the patriarchal feel, but mainly because I think about all of the little girls who are excluded because they don't have fathers, whether dead or absentee. They don't have a great relationship with their father or perhaps are abused by their fathers. We are a couple of years away from my daughter being able to attend, but I'm already thinking about what to do. My husband agrees with my viewpoint, but also admits he'd probably feel sad about not attending. I also wouldn't know how to begin explaining to our daughter why she couldn't attend. If we, if we ultimately make that choice, what do we do and how do we handle it? And it's really interesting to think about the person who wrote back, the advice columnist giving advice back, said that in many schools there used to be like muffins with mom and donuts with dad and that schools have made um, the events more like pastries with parents where the student, the child, can choose which parent comes to the event if they want a, a parent or even maybe a caretaker that's a grandmother or an aunt or something can come and they don't feel excluded or feel like they can't attend because they don't have the specific parent that's in the title of the event. And so I had never, I don't have children, so I, I didn't have daddy-daughter dances um, when I was little. So I, I had never considered this. But And when I first saw the article, I was like, oh, no, is this like a, some kind of like cancel culture article kind of thing? And it's not at all. It's more of a what about all of the people who aren't in families that have both parents or maybe are being raised by a grandparent or an aunt or something like that. But you could, um, and I feel sorry for anybody who doesn't have their dad or yeah, yeah, dad's yeah. not in the picture or whatever, but you could almost do that with any occasion. There are people, I remember when our kids were having Halloween, we had neighbors that were upset about Halloween because of what they thought Halloween, Halloween was based on and so forth, and yet there are Halloween parties and things like that, and just Halloween itself. Yeah. People going door to door, getting candy and so forth, so it could almost extend to anything kind of that anything. would be celebrated but i guess if you're if all of your friends are going to the daddy daughter dance and you don't get I, to I get go that. i wonder or if you or if it raises the question like where's dad or or, or all of those things that that maybe aren't that the parents aren't ready to address bring, bring an uncle or what a substitute grandpa whatever yeah. whatever again i feel Neighbor. sorry for anybody who wouldn't have that who would want that but there are certainly other ways of still Having a good time with another relative, a big brother, whatever the case might big be. Big brother, that's a good one. That's a really good one. So I think that, I mean, I'm thinking back on the ones that I went to with my daughter. And I think there were some examples where you had a brother go or you had somebody who wasn't the dad but sort of was a father figure. A father figure. I was also thinking about, I don't remember them. And, and my kids went all the way through CMS. And I am a CMS product. I don't remember there being a daddy-daughter dance when I was in school. No, yeah, I don't think we had those things. Whenever. A relatively new thing. Now, I also remember that uh, the, the boys um, went and had a night out with mom. Like, I, I, they went somewhere like, you know, like one of those, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but one of those sports places, those sports places where they have all oh, like kinds Dave of, and Buster's kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, like like in the old days would have been Celebration Station, that kind of thing. Yeah, so Remember was that? it like Magic with Mom? Yeah, so so there was a, <laughs> a one for the moms and the, and the boys. And the sons. But I don't remember like this this daddy-daughter dance. And I, and look, it was great. I, I went to a lot of them. And Did and, you love it? 
I, I did. It was it was a lot of fun. It was one of the first bonding experiences with my daughter. So this would be a strange thing to take away if you just made it a parent's night out where the kids could choose? Because then does it does it put the child in a strange choice if they do have both parents like, I choose you, Mom. You know, and then suddenly you're in this, like, stressful situation as a kid because you're having to choose. Well, wait, no, they don't do them at the same time. No, no, no. I'm saying if they change the whole oh, methodology, okay. if we got rid of the... Meant, I thought you meant it was like they planned the, 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 the boys and the, no. the girls in the same night. Which one do you want to go to? <laughs> no, but if they changed it from daddy-daughter to like parents' night out, yeah, and then yeah. the kid, the child had to choose, I feel like that would so be stressful. Now, now they take it off the kid and put it on the parents. Now mm. the parents feel bad. <laughs> exactly. Because then they're like, well, I was One of them sitting favorite. at home while the other one's going. I'd love to know what people think about this, though. And here's another part of the conversation. School dances. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in uh, when I was in junior high school or middle school, now we would have Friday night school dances. Yes, I loved that. When, when my kids cycled through at the same school, they'd change those Friday night dances to Friday afternoon in the daytime dances. Ew. Which I, 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 they went to, but I thought to myself, I wouldn't have liked that as much. No, because then you, you go in your stinky school clothes. Like, you've been in your stinky school clothes all day. But when it was Friday night dance, you had a special outfit. Your stinky school clothes. Because <laughs> you've been in Seven oh four. How hard did you go at recess? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I played why, hard. Why is no one dancing with Beth? <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Dancing to this song at the AG Junior High School Friday night dance in seventh grade. It just brought me back. I I can feel. It's kind of a forgotten REO Speedwagon song, but it was a hit. Oh, I loved this song. I can feel the space between me and my seventh grade date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is really weird because the song that came after it was this one. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I remember very, very vividly slow dancing to the REO Speedwagon song, but walking in and they were blasting this, and it was Captain Sam. Captain Sam, the, D- the mobile DJs. The mobile DJ. Yeah. Captain Sam was everywhere. In 1987, anything you did on a Friday night, whether it was school or the teen center or wherever you went to a, a place where teens hung out, Captain Sam was there. Yeah, I feel like he was at our school dances. Because they're. He was multi-county. A lot of Sams. A lot of Sams. (laughs) But anyway, we're talking about, uh, well, I got off sort of on a tangent about uh, the uh, middle school dances. And Mm -hmm. and they still do middle school dances. But at the uh, middle school, which was when I was there, at junior high school, when I was there, it was on a Friday night. They'd do the dances like Mm -hmm. two or three times a year. And then when my kids went there, they had evolved that to a Friday during the day after school dance. Which I always thought, ah, I wouldn't have liked that as much. But yeah. my, my kids liked it, but I just remember they didn't have anything to compare it to. I yeah. remember what, 
what we had on Friday nights with Captain Sam. And it felt special because you got a little special little outfit for it. You got to go home and get dressed and maybe your mom picked up your friends too and you all showed up together as a group so you didn't have to walk in alone. Man, I love this song. I had forgotten about it. That's why I'm here, Beth. I feel like we should slow dance. (laughs) Leave space for the Holy Ghost. (laughs) All right, 704-570-1110. We have people calling because the thing that got us going down this road was a woman who, uh, there's an article written or she wrote it or, or, or I don't know where she is, but essentially the bottom line is this. She and her husband are trying to decide whether or not to let their daughter go with her dad to the daddy-daughter dance at their school. She said in the article, the title of the article was Our New City's Father-Daughter Dance Tradition Gives Me the Creeps. And she went on to say that she was concerned about the daddy-daughter dance because of how many girls may not have good relationships with fathers or may not have a father um, or may be in an abusive relationship with their father. Uh, So she felt like it was kind of exclusionary and was wondering, should it be a a parent event that you can go with either parent instead of uh, just a daddy-daughter dance? Joanna, 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 right, Bernie? Joanna is on News Talk 1110. WBT wants to weigh in on this. Good morning to you. Oh, my goodness. Good morning to both of you. Thank you for taking my call. I'll tell you what, I got so much to say about this. Oh, yay. I did not, did not grow up with that. I'm a Midwesterner. And also, I mean, I mine would have been in the 60s and 70s. That, so I don't know if we had them back then, but maybe. But we're losing so much. He said something about patriarchal. You know, we're lo- fathers are losing so much these days, and yet people complain that people don't have fathers. Well, I mean, this is his opportunity and her opportunity to discover, for her to learn and grow up learning how a boy should treat her at a dance. And the other thing is, she started out by saying it's creepy or she's creeped out. Mm-hmm. Well, that has nothing to do with others who do not have this opportunity. Yeah. And now as a as a response, she's not allowed she's not gonna allow her daughter to have the opportunity. So the daughter's gonna grow up. Others around her will have had that opportunity. She will not have had that opportunity. It's just wrong on so many levels and I feel sorry for the mom because she grew up, obviously, if this daughter is very young, she grew up at an age when we're, we're leaning more and more toward this, where because we, we are aware of people who are poor and don't have the things, you know, we're not showing gratitude for what we have. We're showing um, just sorrow for people who don't have. And the response to that is to rob ourselves of, because we have the privilege. Wrong response. You know, if you want to do something for those uh, people, you can start a charity. You can you can go to a charity and give to a charity. But to rob your own daughter of that is not the proper response. We don't need to feel guilty. I mean, I'm sure she goes to the grocery store and buys groceries. A lot of people starving. Or how about I'm this, sure Joanna? That. Why not? Uh, if you have a, a a young lady who does not have a father figure or her father is out of the picture, you go as a group and you take that that uh, young lady with you. And there are other male examples. Uh, uh, dads in the group yeah. that uh, bring her into the mix and make it an inclusive thing as opposed to you can't go because your dad's not here. I think it's good. I think that's a wonderful response. And I even would go a step further and say, you know, it, well, yes, 
Yes, or even ask mm. the officers, you know, police officers to participate. Oh, isn't a that idea. a sweet idea? Your local, like the guy who, you know, the local officer that comes to your school. How fun would that be? Joanna, we got to go. That's a great, uh, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. That's a great response. We appreciate your phone calls. News Talk 1110 WBT. I had to get the end of the song in there. The REO Speedwagon. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> This is continuing coverage on News Talk 1110-993 WPT Breaking News. And the developing story uh, was been happening all morning long, actually, as we were coming on the air in the five o'clock hour. President Biden uh, speaking alongside Ukrainian President Zelensky. And we knew that President Biden was uh, you know in Poland on a trip to Poland. He's gonna be uh, heading to Warsaw. Uh, but he made a surprise trip to Ukraine mm-hmm. and arrived there uh, in the early hours of this day and uh, uh, actually was in uh, the capital city of Kiev uh, just a, a few hours off the anniversary of the start of the uh, Russia-Ukraine war. So you think about where Ukraine was a year ago and uh, where it is today, the fact that uh, the president of the United States on the ground in that capital city, pretty remarkable Uh, given what's happened over the last 12 months. Yeah, and the... President Biden did mention that this was his eighth. I believe he said his eighth trip to to Ukraine, um, but the first time in Ukraine since the the war began. And I mentioned uh, they they uh, had a couple of opportunities where uh, we were able to hear what was being said uh, in the beginning of their uh, correspondence. They sat in chairs and talked uh, impromptly, and then a few minutes later they held an official news conference where they took questions and made some comments, and this is some of what President Biden had to say then. Secure and independent state. When United Americans of all political backgrounds decided that they would step up. American people know it matters. Unchecked aggression is a threat to all of us. We build a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific. NATO to the in the Atlantic, Japan in the Pacific. I mean, across the across the world, the number of nations stood up over 50. Help Ukraine defend itself with unprecedented military, economic, and humanitarian support. We united the leading economies of the world to impose unprecedented costs that are squeezing Russia's economic lifelines. Together, we've committed nearly 700 tanks and thousands of armored vehicles, 1,000 artillery systems, more than 2 million rounds of artillery ammunition, more than 50 advanced launch rocket systems, anti-ship and air defense systems, all defend you to defend Ukraine, and that doesn't count the other half a billion dollars we're going to be we're announcing with you today and tomorrow. That's going to be coming your way, and that's just the United States in this piece. And just today, that announcement includes artillery ammunition for HIMARS and howitzers more javelins, anti-armor systems, air surveillance radars to help protect Ukrainian people from aerial bombardments. Later this week, we will announce additional sanctions against elites and companies that are trying to evade sanctions and backfill Russia's war machine. And thanks to bipartisan support in Congress, 
This week, we're delivering billions in direct budgetary support. Billions in direct budgetary support. So that was earlier this morning in Kiev, in Ukraine. President Biden uh, headed to Poland now, but uh, what he did uh, on his way there uh, is he embarked on a nearly 10-hour train ride from the Polish border to visit Ukraine's capital of Kiev. And uh, so a surprise visit this morning, and uh, now he's on for the rest of his his tour there, uh, going to be uh, in Warsaw, and uh, we knew he was going to be overseas. We knew he was overseas, but this idea that he visited Kiev and uh, met with uh, President Zelensky and both of them made comments, uh, this was the news that uh, we here woke up very early today, mm-hmm. and you may just be hearing about now. And a big deal and a show of support, certainly, from an American president to take a 10-hour trek to get to uh, President Zelensky in Kiev. Um, I don't know that this time last year when this uh, when this war began, I don't know that we thought that it would still be going on a year later. I don't know that anyone saw this going on as long as it has. And now, of course, there are you know, conversations happening about the fact that China is supporting Russia in these efforts. And there are so many historians that look at this and, and compare it to um, a similarity in the beginnings of, of World War II and what was going on here in this country, you know, 80 years ago, 80-some uh, years ago. This is a, a fascinating time in world history and fascinating not in a positive way, but in a, in a, in a very uh, heartbreaking way. I, again, I don't know that I saw this lasting as long as it has. Well, Friday marks the one-year anniversary, technically, of the Russian invasion. I can tell you this. uh, A year ago Friday, the footage that we saw and we heard out of Ukraine, I think many of us then would be surprised to know that uh, Kiev is still standing. It's still standing. And that the the citizens just took up arms and just started fighting back against what they thought at the time was an organized Russian military. But I think what we've learned is much more disorganized than we assumed. Yeah, and and Zelensky, too. We've learned a lot about him. And I think this time uh, last year, a lot of us wondered uh, if he uh, would be uh, someone that would still be alive a year later because of the symbolism that he represented Mm -hmm. uh, represented to uh, the Russian forces. Mm -hmm. But uh, Zelensky has become a household name. And obviously there this morning speaking with uh, President Biden, inviting President Biden into the halls of the the state, the, the, the Capitol there, which, again, if you remember the stories we heard, uh, we talked to uh, the uh, now I can't remember her name, but but the the contemporary of Brett Jensen's that he met when he was over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was talking about fleeing the city and the and people worrying about whether or not they were going to make it through the night. And the fact that they uh, were there today talking to the world from the halls of that state capitol is pretty amazing in of itself. Yeah, it's a it's a story of resilience, um, if nothing else, for sure. 813 on News Talk 1110 WBT. want to alert you to something that's going on at the Community Matters Cafe with our good friend Tony Marciano uh, in honor of Black History Month. We'll talk to the executive chef at Community Matters coming up at 820. News Talk 1110 WBT, President's Day, Monday, February 20th. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman. Next hour, Mick Mulvaney will be here in studio, as he is on Mondays. No shortage of things to talk about. Yeah, we always wonder, you know, is there going to be, are we going to be able to have a conversation with him? What are we going to talk about? And we never, ever have a shortage. Want to bring on a special guest right now during Black History Month. Uh, This is the Community Matters Cafe Executive Chef. 
I love that place. Uh, Chef Kyle Johnson is with us, I believe. Are you there, sir? Yes, sir. How are y'all doing? We're good. Thanks for being with us. And you, of course, work uh, directly there with our good friend Tony Marciano, uh, Charlotte Rescue Mission, but the Community Matters Cafe. Before we talk about what, what, what we're here to talk about today, Beth loves the Community Matters Cafe. I love Community Matters Cafe. It's such a cool concept. Thank you all so much. Thank you all. Okay, so, uh, Chef, we have something going on tonight that people need to know about uh, today in honor of Black History Month. You're hosting uh, – tell us what you're hosting. Yeah, so tonight um, me and a bunch of um, other collaborative chefs in the city are hosting our annual History Homage Dinner. Um, It came about – this is our third annual one doing it. It came about with me and my uh, uh, good friend, Brandon Stadden, who is one of the um, co-head sous chefs, our co-head chef at Liam Luis. Oh, um, me and him came up in the industry together. Uh, we've remained best friends. And so um, one day we were just talking and look, thinking of ideas and stuff, bouncing stuff off each other's heads. And we're like, you know, we need a dinner series that um, shows light and respect to, you know, historical black chefs and restaurant tours and just black food culture from the past. And so um, just literally in my kitchen one day, we're like, you know, this, this sounds like a cool idea. We came up with some recipes right then and there and branched it off. So the first one was, um, themed around um, uh, historical black chefs and restaurateurs, um, Rufus Estes, Leah Chase, uh, Edna Lewis, um, the likes, and we made dishes off of that with just those two. Um, and it was really successful. Uh, the following year, we wanted to expand on it, so we invited some other chefs around the city and mixologists. So um, Oscar Johnson and uh, uh, Daryl Cooper from Jimmy Pearls. Uh, Oscar Johnson was recently named uh, number one chef in North Carolina. Uh, so we collaborated with those guys and brought them in on it. Um, Gerald Hawkins, uh, Wilmington, pastry chef, uh, Sakani Acuna, who is one of the bar managers at William Luis as well. Um, and we, you know, expanded on that. And so we all came back again this year with um, some additional names. Um, and the theme for this one is uh, black literature. So each of us is basing a dish off of some form of black literature, whether it be a poem, a playwright, or a precept from a book. And we are, you know, using that literature to and uh, as food as the vessel to expand on it and showing like how we took that and you know give it to the guests then as well. I love this idea so much taking your inspiration from literature and then bringing it to people's tables to not only uh, I don't know, expand their minds, but their taste buds and, you know, food, you certainly eat your first bite of food with your eyes, right? So it's just a whole sensory experience. This is a five-course dinner for people who want to attend. How can people take part in this? What are they, when does it start? How do you get tickets or do you buy tickets or can people just show up? How does this all work for people who are listening? Yeah, so the dinner tonight, um, it's tonight, Monday the 20th. Um, it starts at 6 o'clock. Um, you can go on communitymatterscafe.com. Um, you can go on Community Matters Instagram, um, and the link for the tickets is there. Um, tickets are 110. Um, we're still um, taking tickets and seating. Um, or you can come to Community Matters itself, and uh, we can you can buy a ticket at our wholesale. Talking to the uh, Community Matters Cafe executive chef, Kyle Johnson. Now, uh, Tony Marciano said that we needed to ask you about pigtails. <laughs> Yeah, so with this dinner, um, you know, we really try to take aim into showcasing, you know, the utilization of all forms of food, you know, historically in black culture um, from slavery, slavery, you know, they would take what was, you know, what owners wouldn't eat and just try to make the most of it. And a lot of that is what now we consider as um, Southern food and Southern cuisine, which is very, you know, loved and shined on. So... 
Um, we really just try to take the roots of that, of a lot of things that would be underutilized or looked down on in making something that's delicious. So, you know, a lot of people kind of like might turn their nose up a little bit to like pigtails and, um, and, and, and feet. Um, but it really is actually a pretty nice cut of meat um, with really good flavor. So the guys over at Jimmy Pearl are going to be uh, showcasing that, plus a couple other really cool things. So we have an example of the menu. Again, this is a five-course menu tonight. Um, you just said that the tickets are $110. Everything from bologna sandwiches, Ethiopian coffee, as you were just saying, pigtails, smoked mushroom chicken. Valentine. Valentine. <laughs> Thank you. I was wondering if that was uh, how that was pronounced. I mean, fermented strawberry cake with spiced honey mousse. This sounds like an incredible menu. And for people who maybe can't attend um, this dinner this evening, tell our listeners if they haven't ever been to Community Matters Cafe, exactly what Community Matters really is all about. Because this is a place that you can support not just tonight, but daily. Yeah. So Community Matters is a direct branch off from the Charlotte Rescue Mission where men and women go through um, rehabilitation for, um, for addiction of uh, substance abuse. So um, after they finish their six-month rehabilitation program, they have the chance to join our CAFE program where they learn, first off, they learn life skills, which is just, you know, learn to control your stressors, the day-to-day life, um, not going back into former habits that they may have, and learning how to do those things on a work-life balance. Because, um, you know, a lot of these people, this might be their first time in their life to get them clean from active addiction. So to become clean and just throw them back in the world might be a little bit of a hard reset for them. So we like to kind of like be a segue for that and open it up to allow them to like more smoothly transition. So the cafe works in that worth an additional six months and they take these life skills and then we help reiterate those, re- reestablish those life skills in a work-life environment. So they come in for those six months and they will rotate throughout every department in the cafe. Uh, so they'll be your host to your barista, your server, uh, line cook, prep cook, dishwasher, busser, and they'll all rotate throughout those different departments throughout those six months while getting the job training as well as this lifestyle training. What makes us different from a normal restaurant is that, you know, when inevitable stressors come up, we actually take the time to help these men and women walk through them, grow, figure out why this is bothering them, why this is stressing them, why it's making them angry, sad, controlling their emotions, getting those things. Um, set in place for them so that eventually when they leave us, they can transition into a working world uh, and know how to work on those things, have those tools in place, and not just in a kitchen or hospitality environment, but really utilize those tools in every um, area of life. Um, every, every meal that's bought here, every bit of clothing or coffee, every cup of coffee goes directly back into our students' program um, to help them grow as we support them. So they, we take care of their food, we take care of their living situation, um, medical bills, all of that while they're here in this program. It's such a beautiful thing that you do. And I'm telling you, the, the menu for tonight looks incredible. Tickets $110. But I will say, just any day of the week, your oat milk lattes are insanely amazing. The Brussels sprouts and your spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> they're so good. So well done. All right. That is uh, Chef Johnson, the executive chef at Community Matters Cafe tonight. Uh, history and homage, a flavor of words, a special menu uh, for tonight in honor of Black History Month happening at the Community Matters Cafe. Uh, chef, uh, real quick again, what's the website? Uh, you can go to communitymatterscafe.com uh, or you can go to Community Matters um, Instagram page or Facebook page and the link will be in those bios. Okay. Well, we appreciate you joining us and good luck with everything tonight. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate right. you having me on. Take care. That's Kyle Johnson, the executive chef at one of Beth's favorite restaurants. Oh, seriously, their little roasted Brussels sprouts. Oh, my gosh. And the chicken sandwich. 
Y'all, it is so good. I don't know what they put on that chicken sandwich, but man. If, if Beth adds Lil, Lil to the front of something, then you know it's good. Right? <laughs> They're little Brussels sprouts. Those I mean, roasted Brussels sprouts are amazing. That little girls weekend we have is so much fun. WBT. And we'll raise up our glasses again. Steeple forces singing. Whiskey for my man, beer for my horses. Or if one of those two things doesn't apply, you can be like John Moore and just go to the gas station. <laughs> Yeah, you think I forgot about this, didn't you? So, what are you uh, talking about? Hole. We were talking on Friday about the group chat, right? Yes. And the group chat for this show. And every once in a while, you, know, you just get something uh, that pops up in the group chat. And the other day, John Moore, I just now realized these are both empty. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that the first time I saw That's this. probably why I took the picture. Wait, you drunk texted us? <laughs> wait, wait, do you remember sending this picture? Oh, yes, okay. absolutely. Okay, yes. so uh, we were talking about this a few months ago in the studio one day. Have you ever seen those things in the gas station? You ever bought one of those? No, no, no. Mm -hmm. Well, one of us in this room can now say <laughs> yes, because uh, just randomly on a Thursday afternoon, we get a, because you know, it's 5 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, John Moore. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, there's a picture Cocktail of John hour. Moore with two empty buzz balls. Have you seen these things? With the, uh, my favorite was the caption, show prep. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I'm surfing the Twitter. Yeah, it's checking that out. But I saw these at some point down the line. You know, you're over there. I always go in and get the, the polar pop at yeah. Circle K. And then uh, I'm filling up my, my cup with ice one day, and I look over to my right, and there's this, display and there are these little there's green and red and all different colors little buzz balls they look like christmas ornaments they do they do they look they look like something for kids but they're not so not at all john Moore. Yeah. why don't you explain what they are oh well, they're these little beverages that are made specially for adults <laughs> and uh, they come in cranberry apple chocolate <laughs> different different chocolate? yummy flavors chocolate? yeah it's kind of like a mocha chocolate oh, or like okay. a white russian a chocolate buzz ball please <laughs> are you <laughs> are you saying this because you've tried them all well uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything yeah. everything okay buddy yeah, yeah everything, yeah. everything good at home yeah, pull up the gas station you, you know it's, it's like you feel a little cold coming on you think well instead of nyquil what, why not try one of the little buzz balls there it's probably the, the equivalent so but, but how many people listening haven't wondered about these things what when they you've are. seen them um well i mean i know what they are well they're, now they're, they're little <laughs> now i do but i was like you i was like are these for kids <laughs> Like, remember those little things that we used to get when we were kids that you bit the wax top off and you drank oh, yeah. the yeah. weird syrup yeah. out of it? I yes. thought that's what these things those were. Those were called nickel nip. I remember that. <laughs> nickel nip. Wait, I thought that's what this was. Who else thought the two were the same thing? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> but, but this is one of those things that I've seen before, never decided to try, but I mm -hmm. figured somebody must buy these because they're here in the first place. Well, and I think they've made a ton of money, these buzz ball people. Well, yeah. at least they have off John Moore. Well, they're they're pretty popular. Are they and tasty? <laughs> <laughs> they're popular in your house? No, no, no. I'm just saying every time I go in that store, they're, the, the, the bin is like half empty or two-thirds <gasps> empty. So they're, they're going in and out of there pretty quick. Oh, really? Yeah. Are they delicious? They are. They're quite how, yummy. How potent are they? Yeah. Not, but not, not bad, maybe. <laughs> are you still buzzed? No, no, no. This thing is fifteen percent alcohol by volume. Bad. Fifteen percent, and it's I, it's not. They're, I thought that was low. Balls. Oh, I thought that was low. But wait, it's fifteen percent, and they're the size of a Christmas ball. See, it's about the same as Nyquil. It's not that bad. <gasps> wait, but you thought fifteen percent is not that bad. Yeah. Not bad.
Okay. It is. It's not that. It's so, it's, so you're telling me it's like malt liquor, except What kind of, what kind of beer are you drinking, John? Beer's like four. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holy moly. 15 per, And all of them are this way? Is it What's in it? Is it like vodka? Minute, what is beer, it? A beer is four and probably four size the, the, times the size of these little That's balls. It. But when you're looking at it, it looks like a little miniature jar of the happy Kool-Aid guy that breaks through the walls and stuff. <gasps> and you're like, oh, that looks so fun and festive. And then... You're too late. You've already got it in your house, and it's chilled down, and but, you drink it. But the like, best point, I mean, is this like flavored rubbing alcohol? Like what? <laughs> what? What kind it, of alcohol? Yeah, is, is it vodka? Is it I don't tequila? Know. It has you a don't one, know what it is. It has a one of a kind taste. I really don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it's just like alcohol. Now, it, <laughs> now you sent the picture of the two. And then these were what, cherry flavored. It was red? a cranberry and cranberry. a strawberry kiwi typo. So you had so, two. You had two buzz balls. You had yeah, two. Wait yeah. a minute. You had two buzz balls in this picture. Were there more that that are outside of the picture? There were probably some on ice somewhere in the house right there when that was. You know, gone. this could be a segment. Things that uh, you have tried that everybody wondered about but would never pulled the trigger to buy. I think we should do this weekly. Like, what is it that we've always seen but we've been too scared to try? Y'all, there are like fifteen flavors. I just, I just. There's buzzballs.com. You can go to buzzballs.com. To which John Moore Careful. says. I know. Check it out. <laughs> Watch out for that firewall. I know. Well, I'm having to put my birth date in, which I, because I was born so long ago that I have to scroll like I'm going through the wheels of fortune, like wheel. <laughs> this is the stain, same place where I got. I looked at the Stamies pickles for two months before jumping in and getting some pickles. So <laughs> they it, have. So this is what you wash the pickles down with, uh, huh? Yeah, that's what I understand. Buzz balls. Yes. All right. Yes. I'm just gonna read some of these flavors really quick. I know okay. we got to go to traffic. They have chocolate teas, lotta colada, tequila rita. <laughs> Peach balls, <laughs> strawberry Rita, chili mango. Strawberry Rita, that was the one. Cran blaster, espresso <laughs> martini, forbidden <laughs> apple, hazelnut latte. Forbidden apple. Watermelon wow. smash. Are they really 15% of the it, They are. Okay. It says 15% Actually, right there. none of us should have to tell you that. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, we all know that based on you. You can join the buzz club, guys. <laughs> You can get free merchandise. So if oh, you, boy. If you've been at the gas station and you wondered what those little balls over in the corner were that say buzz on them, now you know. It's all part of the public service of Good Morning BT. Right next to the rotating hot dogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and right. if you have enough of them, the rotating hot dogs starts looking I was good. Say, it all <laughs> comes together. Yeah, because. Taquitos. If, if you have enough of the buzz balls, then. You eat all the, the hot dogs. Exactly, right. the hot dogs and the taquitos. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's all the circle of life. <laughs> Brett Winterbull. Yo. How the heck are you? <laughs> Welcome. You know what? When people say, how the heck are you, is the appropriate answer, I'm the heck great. What are you, what are you supposed to say back I'm to that? I, having I, a heck of a good time. I just oh. I said it on a spot one time, and Bernie thinks it's the funniest thing ever. Every time he hears it, he's, how the, I'm Bo Thompson. How the heck are you? Good Which, morning. I really don't say that to people that often. I just did that time. Uh, so, just bust, bust that out when know. you're in church or something. Hey, how the heck are you? <laughs> I mean, it's like, uh, you know, Bo Thompson, damn glad to meet you. I, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, I don't say that either, except every once in a while. Artie Fufkin, Polymer <laughs> Records. Go ahead and kick me. Milt, Milt, Milt Butterworth, Defender of the Common Man. Milt Butterworth. And if you know the movie that came from, I don't believe you. Milt Butterworth, Defender of the Common Man. This is Good Morning BT. Final stretch of the 8 o'clock hour here. Mick Poli- Mulvaney. Police Academy 4, by the way. 
Citizens on Patrol. Thank you. That's the movie. Did Sorry. you did you know that because I told you one time, or did you really know that? Um, I'm sad to say I know all of the Police Academy movies. My favorite one is the guy that gets caught in the, the spinning door and he comes out and he's like, what a lobby! <laughs> Does she know the Artie Fufkin reference, though? Did you get the Artie Fufkin reference? Yes, I reference? got that one. She didn't. He did. I didn't get that one. <laughs> what a lobby! <laughs> Citizens on Patrol. Yep. There were seven of those movies. Yes. Mission to Moscow, I think, was the last one. <laughs> Anyway, they were trying to they were trying to be like spies like us. Pretty sad that I know that. Even sadder that Beth knows that. <laughs> That's why we're friends, my friend. That's why Who we're played here. Artie Fufkin? You, you're not giving Artie Fufkin the the credit he deserves. Who played him? Who played Artie I Fufkin? Don't know. Do you know the movie? Yes. It's no, no, no. I don't know the Artie. movie. You don't know you know the Artie Fufkin reference? Fufkin. No. It's it's Spinal Tap. It's Paul Spinal Schaefer's okay. Paul, Paul yeah. Schaefer's character in Spinal Tap. There you go. Oh, there that is Paul Schaefer. Can I go home now? Am I done for the day? I just googled it. You could have just asked me. Yeah, okay, I could have right. just asked you. You're, you're, you could have just believed me. You basically are our Google. I make up all the stuff about politics, but the stuff about, you know, movies, I got down. Welcome to the studio, Jeeves. Yeah, thank you very much. Jeeves, Jeeves Mulvaney, next hour here on WBT. Uh, actually, I'm curious as to your thoughts on this. Um, we no, you're not. You're lying. I can no, tell. I really no, you are lying. You're not curious as to my thoughts on this. I have no care of what you think of this, but I'm going to play this anyway. <laughs> this whole talk about AIDS makes me uncomfortable. I think that. I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you talking about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll. If you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say twenties, thirties, and forties. I don't necessarily. Forties. Oh, I got it. I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that. Well, you know, politicians aren't in their I think prime. We need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for like childbearing, or are you talking about prime for being president? Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying what the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home, when is a woman in her prime? It says twenties, thirties, and forties. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not. Not in their prime, and we, they need to be in their prime when they serve, because she wouldn't be in her prime, according to Google, you know, Google or whatever it is. And Don Lemon has not been back on the morning show since. By the way, um, because we do participate in theater of the mind here, mm -hmm. so much of the visual that we do is lost. In fact, a hundred percent of the visual we do is lost. John Moore was um, miming out. A guy digging a hole with a shovel. <laughs> with a shovel. For that entire time. That's and, exactly right. And it's so it's so ironic that he started the conversation by saying that this age conversation is making me uncomfortable. <laughs> and then he just made it more and more and more uncomfortable. And while I was listening to that again, which we talked about this on Friday, and I, of course, talked about how, you know, the, the, the conversation surrounding age and women, that narrative has been... Um, unfortunate for many, many, many years. But I did just Google when is a woman in her prime, as Don Lemon told me I should. And it actually said most women are in their prime after the age of 50. Ah. So Google, thank you. Well, that's a that's that's on. My prime. guess is they probably reset the algorithm after Friday's show. Well, well, this the website is primewomen.com. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah primewomen.com. Yeah. But if you need to clear true. your browser history now, I think, Beth. <laughs> if that's true, then think about all that's ahead of us. Well, yeah, we've got. So, well, I on I, this show exactly, and I will always argue that the best moments of your life are the moments you're having right now. Like if you're looking forward and looking backward, you're missing what's happening right now. So we we could always be in our prime. And the thing that I'm loving about 
people's response to Don Lemon. A, Don Lemon was not on the CNN Morning Show on Friday. Neither was he on the show again this morning. But Patricia Heaton, the actress that uh, people know from Everybody Loves Raymond, um, lots of TV shows, she is 64, and she responded uh, on social media on Friday saying, hey, ladies, Don Lemon thinks women over 50 are past their prime. Let's start hashtag primetime and list some of the things that we have accomplished in these glorious later years. I'll start. I produced the comedy feature Unexpected, available on iTunes and Amazon Prime. <laughs> hashtag primetime. I wrote and published the book, Your Second Act, Inspiring Stories of Reinvention. Hashtag primetime created the Emmy winning show Patricia Heaton parties on the Food Network. And the list goes on and on and on. All things that she has done past the age of 50. And women were using that hashtag on social media to also list the things that they have accomplished because we are not as women past our prime, past a certain age. And again, we talked about this on Friday, and I wanted to read an email that we got from a listener. And I know we've got to go to commercial break, but this was a wonderful email. He says, hey, Beth, I heard you and Bo talking about Don Lemon's dumb comments responding to Nikki Haley's statement and saying that she was past her prime. Well, that is not true, as you stated. Women in the media, corporate world, and other avenues of society are definitely not past their prime, past their 20s and 30s. And this is the sweetest part about this, and I'm going to say thank you before I read it. You are a prime example because you are good at what you do because you have had the experience of the different facets of your media career, and that only adds insight and intellect to be able to talk about issues and news stories that occur. So just keep up the good work. Thank you. Like a, a person out there listening saying, you know what? Women can be awesome at any age, as can men. I think Don really got Beth spun up about this. Man, did he? Because I'm, according to Don Lemon, I'm well past my prime, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Googled it. Google doesn't agree. I, I'm watching to see where Bo goes next. He's, he, I know he wants to say something, but he also wants to go to break. But our best minutes are ahead <laughs> in the next hour with Mick Mulvaney. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's about that time. In the Tyboy Studio, to start the week, former White House Chief of Staff, Budget Director, South Carolina Congressman, Special Envoy envoy to Northern Ireland, Mick Mulvaney. Paul Schaefer playing piano on that that musical selection. Right here. Yeah. Also known as Artie Fufkin. Artie Fufkin. He was the musical director for the Blues Brothers. Which, of course, started as a Saturday Night Live skit. That's right. That's right. Did you see that Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band... Played as a as the guest band on uh, Jimmy Fallon recently. I did not. I would have actually stayed up to watch. No, I wouldn't have. I would have watched that on the internet afterwards. Well, TV I was about to say it. you could check it out on the worldwide interweb. I'm sure it's uh, available. Well, now I know it's there. I will there go, go look at. It. Was it any good? There you go. Well, they they sat in for the roots. I, di- I didn't see it either. I just knew about it. The band was really good. The band was good for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did, did you like Paul Schaefer better on late night or late show? Um. I'm an old NBC. I used to watch Letterman every night in college because it came yeah. on at 1230. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I could, yeah, there's some great episodes. And I was a huge fan. It's really disappointing because he got so political late in his career that, you know, it was always about politics. And I'm like, you know, I just I'm looking for something in my life that's not about politics. And he used to just be funny. 
um, back in the days at NBC. That was great. And I don't really know the answer to this question. Uh, he had to change the name of the band when they moved over to CBS, and it became the CBS Orchestra. Because NBC owned the rights to the world's most dangerous band. But was the band. world's most dangerous band the same thing as the CBS Orchestra, just different names? Um, I think it was, you know, he had various musicians over the years. I think he had one or two guys that stayed with him all 30 years with Letterman, but um, they changed a little bit. That was uh, you know, that 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 theme, the way they played it on NBC. Uh, I know that we have other things to talk about here, but just because you just because you can, and this is what you do, you have this on your magic laptop. Oh, now I can't find it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, well, I have the I have the one from CBS, but that's not the one we. No, here it is, right here. Okay, it's a slow build. Here we go. Yeah, you got to lay back and Johnny Carson is done. Yeah, I love this. Live from New York, it's The Late Show with David Letterman. Tonight's guest, Chevy Chase, Cher, and Tom Jones. <laughs> That's pretty darn. That's really good. That's pretty good. It was... Viewer mail night. <laughs> anyway, so uh, welcome Mick Mulvaney to the studio. Uh, we'll have, we'll have uh, Paul Schaefer rejoins all morning long. Here. I have to stop drinking coffee before this show. I'm so glad that you do, though, because uh, it's fantastic. Well, I stopped at the QT looking for my buzz bombs, and they were out. So, <laughs> Well, you know why they were out. John Moore bought them all. Bob Moore, John Moore, I can't even say it's Bomb Jour. <laughs> Sorry, he he bought them all. Uh, the big story this morning was actually developing as, uh, as we were coming on the air here. It was this. No, it was, uh, it was one year ago this week. And we spoke on the telephone, Mr. President. It was very late at night in Washington, very early in the morning here in Kiev. Russian planes were in the air and tanks were rolling across your border. You told me that you could hear the explosions in the background. I'll never forget that. And the world was about to change. I remember it vividly. Because I asked you, I asked you next, I asked you, what is there, Mr. President? What can I do for you? How can I be of help? And I don't know if you remember what you said to me, but you said, and I quote, gather the leaders of the world, ask them to support Ukraine. So he's reminiscing about uh, what happened a year ago on Friday, the one-year anniversary of the uh, Russian-Ukrainian conflict. And he's doing that from Kiev. Uh, that was a surprise detour today, earlier today. President Biden, uh, on his way, on his overseas trip, uh, he takes a 10-hour train ride and uh, meets with Vladimir Zelensky in the state, the capital of Kiev, in the Capitol building there. And uh, what you just heard was them speaking with each other at a news conference uh, upon appearing uh, Jointly. So to start off, uh, I, I, we just want to know what you think about this. Um, I, I read about it or saw it this morning when I got up, and it, a couple things came to mind. First of all, the most interesting thing to me about it, and I'm thinking logistically now, we talk about the politics of it in a second. By the way, I thought politically it's a really, really good move for him. And we could talk about what he just said and why it's important. But the, the, the logistics of it, how difficult it is to do what they did and how much planning must have gone into it. And the most interesting thing to me was they went by train. Mm -hmm. and did not go by plane. That's, that's how dangerous it is there right now, that even with it was Air Force One, they, they did not feel comfortable taking the president through the air. Now, the way the world, the, where the geography shapes up is that you can fly from Poland to Kiev, which I guess it's Kiev now. I don't remember when we changed the name, but I still call it Kiev. 
um, without flying, you know, you can go around um, Slovakia and Hungary and so forth. But that's still dangerous, really dangerous, so dangerous they made a decision to take him by train for 10 hours, which is a really, really hard thing to pull off in secrecy as well. Right. Because of all the people who see you and, you know, there's there's a train, right? And there's something you can see. Take off an airplane, you don't see it after it leaves. But anyway, um, the logistics of pulling that off um, were impressive. Um, I remember when we went to... Excuse me. We went to uh, Afghanistan on Thanksgiving and it was so tightly nailed down that all I told my wife was that I couldn't come home for Thanksgiving right away. And the next thing she knows, she saw me on television in in Afghanistan once she was at the at the at my in-laws house for Thanksgiving dinner. So the secrecy on this thing is extraordinarily tight. The logistics are extraordinarily difficult and it's a extraordinarily dangerous. I mean, yes, we were going into Afghanistan, and if somebody could have taken a pot shot at Air Force One, they would have. But this is the Russians, you know, right. that, that close to where, where he was. So, uh, again, it's uh, c- congratulations to the folks at the White House Military Office, who are the folks who pulled this off, the best at the world at it. This is the team, by the way. We've told the story many times about getting Trump to the, um, the DMZ on 18 hours' notice, which you simply cannot do. Um, I have no idea how long it took to do this, but it was extraordinarily complex. And uh, President Zelensky uh, calling the trip, the decision by Biden, historic, timely and brave. We will talk about the logistics. We'll talk about politics. Uh, A lot to digest out of this that happened uh, just hours ago. President Biden making a surprise appearance uh, on on the soil in in Kiev, which a year ago we weren't sure would even be here uh, a year later. Where the best things in life used to be free, it's Late Night with David Letterman. Tonight, Tom Selleck and comedian Gilbert Gottfried. Yep. Also, viewer mail. There you go. Card and gift shop fine. And now, a man whose recent unexplained dizzy spells have us all wondering... Did you find the guy's name? Yeah, Bill Wendell. Bill Wendell. Bill Wendell Bill was his Mr. name. Mr. Wendell. Was that who the song was about? Uh, by Arrested Development? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact. Uh, so, yes, as promised, Paul Schaefer bumpers for the rest of the show. Until nice. We, until we get to uh, trivia. Ooh, have we got trivia today? We did, do. Did Beth bring some in? I did. Did you tell her what I screwed up last week? I can't even remember what you screwed up last the week. The Burt Backrack thing, because oh, I didn't oh, listen yeah. on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we did a we did the show a few days ago about Bacharach. Yeah, you did things. music trivia without me. Without that's, you, that's exactly right. Music trivia with Bacharach. Uh, Bacharach should have held out for a few more days. Yeah. News Talk eleven ten WBT. Bo and Beth and Mick Mulvaney and I want to talk about. Uh, well, let's talk about what's left over here from uh, the, the first segment, which is talk about uh, Zelensky. And Vladimir Zelensky welcomed Joe Biden, president of the United States. You got the two presidents there speaking together in Kiev earlier this morning. So President uh, Biden makes a makes a surprise detour his during, during his trip to Poland, takes a 10 hour uh, train ride and, uh, you know, is does a an appearance there with the president of uh, Ukraine uh, just a few days off of the anniversary. And you, you said you thought it was a good move. Um, but what about the politics of this? Because now that begins to be discussed. Yeah, the politics are great. It really is. Um, he's going to be attacked a little bit for being so um, tired when he spoke. In fact, one of the things I noticed was the difference in energy levels between the, the speech he just gave in, in Kiev 
and the State of the Union the other night. Mm. Uh, granted, he's, he's he's 80 years old, and that, like I said, this is a tiring. This is a this is tough for for folks to go overseas, even if they're you know not 80 years old. So he's gonna he's gonna be critic not criticized, but analyzed very carefully for his 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 misstatements and so forth. But put that aside for a second, because I don't think that matters in the general scheme of things. It's a really solid message, which is to the extent anybody was wondering whether or not we were committed. Here I am, and nothing speaks louder than actually showing up. What what Mark Twain said: 80% of success in life is just showing up. Or mm-hmm. somebody said that. Um, and the number one question I get, because I spend a lot of time in Europe for work, the number one question I get, especially from British politicians, but also from folks in continental Europe, is: Are the Americans really committed to Ukraine? And my answer is always, always yes. Are you? And that's when the discussion sort of breaks down because I'm not convinced that the Europeans, the continental Europeans, take the British outside for a second and take the Poles aside because they are absolutely committed. I don't believe the rest of Europe is committed yet. Um, France is really, really good at making commitments and they're not delivering. Um, but put all of that aside to the issue of whether or not the Americans are committed to Ukraine, which is the one thing the Russians are really looking at. Yes, this sends a really, really strong message. Nothing that you couldn't do better than they did. You, you, you can't send a stronger message than actually showing up in Kiev under the threat of, of aerial bombardment. I understand there were some air sirens mm-hmm. that went off during one of the presentations and so forth. That's real. And that's going, to, that's going to resonate in Moscow. That's a big deal. So from a political standpoint, this is a, a complete success, and I congratulate them for not only pulling it off logistically, but delivering a really, really good message. Do we see this going, you know, some historians are looking at this, and they see the, the, this war as uh, something that's similar to how World War II began. Do you see this moving out of, of, of Ukraine into Poland, into other areas, and then becoming, because now we have... China, who is backing Russia, they're saying that they are not backing them with arms, but uh, there's a a lot of contradictory information about that being true. Does this become more of a global battle um, because of the the politics of the countries who are behind the other countries? It becomes kind of this uh, tit versus tat. Yeah, I got asked that question once, I think right when the war started. And I, I, I answered the question with a question, which is, is Putin a rational actor? And the person said, why does that make a difference? I said, well, look, if, there's a, if, the, if Putin is a rational actor, then I can sort of lay out why I think the answer to your question is no. no. Okay? If he's an irrational actor, then you never can tell. And anything is possible. The example I give, the, the sort of the analogy I give is, if you ask me what my wife is, is, is making for dinner, and I know that she's a rational actor. I can say, well, you know, I can think to myself, well, she made this last week. I know what's in the fridge. I know what she grocery shop for. So I can give you a pretty good guess as to the three things we, she might make. It could be chicken cacciatore or whatever. If she's an irrational actor, she might, you know, deep fry the cat right. um, for dinner. And, and that's, that's the difference. And I don't mean to make light of it, but that, that is the difference. If Putin is really at the end of his life, he's really as sick as we hear about in the press and so forth, if he's, if he's not well in the head— then anything is possible. Yeah. And I don't know how to answer your question. If he's a rational actor, then I got to say the answer is probably no, because he recognizes the fact that it's a it's a no-win situation for 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 Russia. That's where I think there was a difference. Um, people say anyway. I I just don't I, I don't know how to answer your question. It's nerve-wracking, I guess, because it seems that he becomes more and more of an irrational actor as the days go on. If you believe the stories, of, like you just said, about his health, and, and that's what that's what worries me. Yeah. is that he does something that everybody looks at and said, "No, no, why would anybody do that? It makes absolutely no sense." But if you're dealing with somebody who isn't sensible, then and everything's on the table. Good morning, BT. My name is Jimmy Carter, and I'm running for president. I can't listen to it without thinking of Dan Aykroyd. I just can't. 
<laughs> his impersonation, the voice was so good. Jimmy Carter, President of the United States, the 39th from 1977 to 1981, has now been placed in hospice care. Uh, this, according to the family, he's 98 years old. And before I get Mick Mulvaney's thoughts on uh, on Carter, uh, let's get uh, an update. Let's go back to Fox's Jonathan Sari. The Carter Center says the former president is moving to home hospice care with the full support of his medical staff and his family. The family asking the public for privacy, but also thanking the public for the outpouring of support and concern. Carter's grandson, Jason, a former Georgia state senator, tweeted Saturday, I saw both of my grand parents yesterday. They are at peace and as always their home is full of love. President Biden tweeted to Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, we admire you for the strength and humility you have shown in difficult times. May you continue your journey with grace and dignity and God grant you peace. Back in 2015, Mr. Carter underwent treatment for melanoma that had spread to his liver and brain. A devout Christian, Carter continued to teach Sunday school and explained to congregants and visitors at the time that he was perfectly at ease with whatever was to come. But he responded well to treatment he was receiving back then and was able to actually resume his active schedule that included international travel to work on Habitat for Humanity building projects. He also continued to work through his Atlanta-based international nonprofit, the Carter Center, to provide election monitoring services around the world and promote global health initiatives. One of the center's proudest accomplishments is helping to reduce the number of guinea worms infections in developing countries. In the mid-1980s, about three and a half million people were being infected with the guinea worm parasite. By 2021, that number had been reduced to just 14 for that entire year. So uh, the former president uh, is 98 years old, and uh, he is at home in Plains, Georgia, in hospice care now. Uh, you know, I'm really torn because, I mean, I, I, I just... I have nothing but respect for everybody in public service, at least most people, including him. He's a, he was, you know, president of the United States. Um, but, I mean, come on. Do we remember the guinea worm? I mean, that, seriously, that, that's what we're talking about now in, in his last days? I just, I, 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 listen, I'm not going to speak, I won't speak ill of the dead since he's still alive. I will remind the people that he, he disputed the outcome of the 2000 election, disputed the outcome of the 2004 uh, election, disputed the outcome of the 2016 election. He's one of the original election deniers. He was beaten in the largest uh, electoral college defeat in history, uh, probably one of the worst, probably the worst president of, of my lifetime. Um, so you hate to do it because he's 96 years old and you want to, you want to be nice and I want to be nice, but I mean, let's not lose, let's not, let's not deify people, um, you know, late in life who, who, anyway, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm torn on this one. He was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. And did so is Barack Obama. Of, that doesn't mean anything. He did a lot of great work with Habitat for Humanity. I, I, and I respect that. I, I respect and, that. But I mean, come on now. Let's, I mean, the guinea worm, that's what we're, that's what he's going to be remembered for. Well, that was the that was what uh, Jonathan Sari chose to include in his report right there. I would yeah. say that uh, Jimmy Carter is going to go down uh, to be remembered. I'm curious as to whether you agree with this or not. Is he going to be uh, far more remembered for what he did after he left the presidency than what he did during it or before? Now that's a, that's a that's a, that's a really good question. That's a very. Um, I hope so. I mean, look, I hope that. We all make mistakes in public service. You know, nobody's perfect, right? You all do things that are wrong. I was in public service for, what, 10 or 12 years, something like that. Uh, and I hope I'm remembered for the good stuff and not for the bad stuff. But let's not take somebody who was, I mean, 
universally sort of perceived by the voting public. I mean, it's not like Fox News is making this one up. We'll talk about that in a second um, as being a really, really bad president. I mean, historically high inflation. We had the the uh, the uh, Iranian uh, hostages situation. Uh, we had all sorts of, of difficulties. There's a reason he lost as stunningly as he did. He wasn't very good at the job of being president. Again, that doesn't mean I don't respect him as a person and as a public servant, but I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, Jimmy Carter, what, 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 what a great president he was in his last days when he wasn't when he was alive. And he's still alive, I guess, but when it wasn't when he was in office. I think the thing that people will remember... I'm sorry, I, I, know, I know this is really, this is, this is killing Bath because she wants to be so nice. I know. <laughs> It's my general nature. Well, I think the thing about him that people love post his presidency was his um, extreme faith and the way that he utilized his faith in order to um, act in the world. And it was why I think that the, the image that I will always have in my head uh, was from just a few years ago when he had the, the the terrible fall that was kind of a result of the things that he was going through with the, the brain cancer and, um, you know, the different surgeries that he had had. And he fell and was bruised and beaten looking but still showed up you know, at 95 years old to build a home for, um, you know, the less fortunate folks who are needing those Habitat for Humanity homes and has spent time building more than 100,000 homes. A, a great point. Let's focus on all the good that he did for his charities, his his faith, his marriage. I think he was married for like 75 years the or longest, something like that. The longest living marriage of a presidency. Of pre- that, that's yeah. fantastic. Let's talk about that. Let's not try and make it look like his presidency was really good when we all know that it wasn't. I don't think... I don't th- even Democrats. I don't think there's a push to do that. I think uh, even Democrats would say he was a very ineffective president. And like you say, he only served one term and he got uh, if not for Walter Mondale a few years later, that landslide for President Reagan. Uh, this would be the, the biggest of all time. Right now, um, I would say I would venture to say that. He has set the template for how a president can be effective and influential in the world post-presidency. That, I mean, he founded Habitat for Humanity, and to the, to the reporter's point a moment ago, uh, he was using an example. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to defend him. I'm just saying the reason he brings up that particular thing is it gives you a, a window into the, the, the things that his foundation has been doing in other countries. So I think he's probably one of the most respected uh, ex-presidents ever, current or, or, or president during president during the time he was in office. Yeah, nobody's going to say that was a that was a a standard that was set by him. I don't think anybody would. That's fair, and I respect him. And so it's an excellent point. And by the way, I was wrong about the electoral thing because it wasn't him. It was Mondale. It's Mondale. Uh, it was yeah, Mondale, yeah, not Carter. You're absolutely right. So no, I, I think it's a respectable, a, a decent human being. We should be celebrating that. Yes. And I think most people, that's that's where this is coming from. Yeah, I think that's what's happening now is that the, the, the beautiful thing about him going into a hospice is that he's now getting a chance to see his own, how people felt about him. He's being memorialized before he passes, so he gets to kind of see his legacy before his legacy ends. And I don't think George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton would have become as close as they did had not there been the example of Carter and the things that he did post-presidency. I think he sort of ushered in this era of what do you do after you leave the White House? Uh, how do you uh, affect change in the world? And, you know, I may I, that may be not an opinion shared by a whole lot of people. That's the way I, I have seen post-Carter, post, you know, obviously Reagan was a little bit different. but Well, and he was president when you and I were born. Correct. Yeah. And, and Reagan, obviously, when he left office, uh, was starting to, even when he was in office, was suffering from the early... Uh, onset of dementia. WBT.
final stretch on a Monday. Thanks to our friend Paul Schaefer. And in this case, the CBS Orchestra. Bo and Beth and Mick Mulvaney. I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, I, I wanted someone's perspective on this because we haven't talked about this um, today, but it was a big story over the weekend. And it really boils down to the information that we receive and how it gets to us. Now, we know that um, Dominion uh, sued Fox for $1.6 billion, arguing that Fox News Channel and its network made false claims against the voting machines rigging the 2020 election. We also know, I mean, the big story several weeks ago was the Hunter Biden laptop story and how that was suppressed from um, readers on Twitter and from, you know, different news outlets. And now we've seen the transcripts from Dominion in this defamation lawsuit that came out over the weekend. And I was reading an article in The Atlantic, and I'm just going to read the title of the article to you. Why Fox News Lied to Its Viewers. The network's hosts and leaders knew that Trump had lost the election but feared the consequences of telling their audience the truth. So what does this say about the information that's getting to us and who we as people can trust when it comes to the, the 2020 election? the Hunter Biden laptop story, we're not getting the information that these outlets know. What you need to realize, I think, is that most of media today that pretends to be news, including The Atlantic that you're reading from right there, right, the notoriously uh, anti-right, The Atlantic is, is that there's a little bit of news with mostly entertainment. If you're watching Fox, if you're watching MSNBC, if you're reading The Atlantic, you're reading Vanity Fair, it's designed to entertain you and get you to watch so that you can buy advertising. It's not designed to be news. So it doesn't surprise me that the talking heads in more than one occasion would be saying one thing on the air that they just don't believe because that's not the job is not to be there to inter- to inform you it is to entertain you do we need to take news out of the 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 the, the title then what Should difference it not does be it make fox I mean, news channel the fox entertainment channel is is you know is it is it nbc news or nbc entertainment right, right. it's it just you, people need you need to realize that there's a there's an agenda to all these folks. They they don't get paid to inform you. They get paid to entertain you. And you need to take everything you read and watch with a grain of salt. Is there any responsibility though in in how the the population was thinking, or is still in in a lot of cases thinking about the 2020 election? Well, we're going to find out, right? Because the responsibility then would, would end up in the court system as to whether or not you were actually lying and defaming people, and we we'll find out if Fox was was guilty of that. But certainly those texts, those transcripts that you're reading about, which I read as well, outside of the Atlantic are, are very damning. And they, they don't make Fox look very good when it comes to actually informing people about what's happening. All right. We have come to that point of the week. I, it's my favorite part of the week. Is and it? Chuck Boozer's as well, who's texting me. Chuck Boozer, Mick Mulvaney, hopefully a few more of you out there. Uh, we're going to wrap up with Mick Mulvaney with Monday Music Mulvaney. Actually, it's Monday Mulvaney Music Trivia. Now, if it's Burt Backrack again, that would be really good. (laughs) No, it is not, Burt. You ready for number one? i got six songs here. Oh, wow. Six songs. Uh, Let's see. One, two, three. Yep. Um, What are they? What's the the tie that binds through all six of these songs? Okay. And it's not even the specific song. Not the specific song. It's the artist. Okay, so we have a Beatles tune. Yeah, I've got a Beatles tune. I, I thought that first one might stump you a little bit. It sounds like the beginning of Sesame Street. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I can name I... that tune in one note. I know. All right, let's go to the next one here. And it's me you need to show. How deep is your love? See, she can sing. So she can sing it. Sometimes. 
All right, we have the Bee Gees. I think it's the Bee. I don't think it's Andy. I think it's the Bee Gees themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Michael Jackson. Billy Jean. Mm-hmm. So again, is that '84 artist, not song. Artist, not song. Okay. Right. Artist, not song. The next one here is. Yeah, still Michael Jackson. <laughs> Let's go to the next one here, which is. Mariah. I think I got it. I'm not done yet. I, th- I don't think I have to have it. I uh, think I got it. You keep going. You want to keep going? I want you to keep going. What's the last one? Uh, sure. I think I got you. For the first time ever, I think I got you. I still got one more to go. I know go. you do, because you got to do one from the 2020s. Or the, um... <laughs> do I even want to keep going now? Rihanna. Shine bright like a diamond. Now that screws me up. Really? Yeah. See? Always got to stay till the end. Because I lost track. No, I got it. It's the, it's the most successful artist from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. By successful, what do you mean? Uh, greatest selling. Most, how about let's do this? Most top 40 hits. Be more specific. Oh, come on. The, the longest <laughs> most, running. No, most number one hits. Most number the one hits. Of each decade. <laughs> In the 60s, the Beatles with 18. In the 70s, the Bee Gees with nine. Michael Jackson in the 80s with nine. Mariah Carey in the 90s with 14. Usher with seven and the, whatever we call them, the OOs. Aughts. The aughts. The aughts. And then do we call it the, the teens? The, the tens. The, the, the 2010s. The Rihanna had nine. You could have gone the other way to the 50s and it would have been who? I don't know. I didn't look that far. Elvis. Where's it, Elvis? Sure. So there you go. Well done. Elvis had a tie with the Beatles for like 30 years as to the most number one hits. And it was broken when they redid Little Less Conversation for the uh, World Cup ad back in 2000, whatever, whatever. And it broke the it tie. Broke Elvis it. now. Yeah. I don't know if a, if a modern artist has broken it since then because I don't keep track of Taylor Swift. Or Did stuff. Elvis come back and break it again when the movie, the Baz Luhrmann movie came out? Are they still fighting it out? That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. I don't know if there was a number one hit out of that. Uh, out of that film. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there was either. There was a number one hit out of uh, out of the Queen movie because I think Bohemian Rhapsody went back to number one. It went one. back to number yeah. one. I... I I got one. That's the first one I think I've ever gotten. I've gotten close a couple of times. I feel so like you, you got, get them you got Burt Backrack last week, and I got so, this one. So what do we do now? I have, well, it's Beth next It's my week. turn. Show oh. tunes. Show next tunes, week. guys. <laughs> Barbara Streisand. You Jazz need be, hands. You need to be here at the beginning of the show, because we start the show every day with the song she wakes up to in her head. Yeah, but that would require me to be here at like 4 o'clock in the morning. I know, but there's, there's this thing called tape. I could play it back for you. Yeah, we can oh, play it back oh, for you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. By the way, is it really tape? Uh, in my head, yes. <laughs>